we start today's episode, just to let you know, you can now nominate for the 2025 Northern Power Women Awards. To be in with a chance of celebrating with changemakers, trailblazers and advocates on the 6th of March 2025. Nominate now at wearepower.net. Power Women podcast for your career and your life, no matter what business you're in. Hello and welcome to the Northern Power Women podcast. I'm your host, Simone Roche. This is the We Are More season when I'm going to be chatting to our winners, commended and partners of Northern Power Women and catching up on all the things that have been happening since the awards. We've just come out of another record-breaking awards nomination period with just short of 1,500 nominations, which is going to give our judges a really, really tough challenge ahead. Um, But what it's really highlighted to me is this constant growing of the community, this constant sort of desire and passion to pay it forward. Um, So thank you so much in advance for every single one of you who took the time to put your fingers onto that keyboard and make those nominations and really kind of like boost and showcase and spotlight the brilliant role models that we've got in and from the North. And and please don't stop giving back and paying forward because we're currently recruiting for mentors. We've got we've got a whole series of micro mentoring, one hour virtual mentoring um, over the course of November, December, where we'll be asking you to give one hour of your time to give back, pay it forward to people either at the start of their career or undergrads or apprentices. So please do sign up on our award winning power platform at wearepower.net. But anyway, someone else who is really, really delighted, I'm really delighted to invite into our We Are More podcast is Steph Adusi, who is the winner of this year's Northern Power Women, a transformational leader. And no surprise, Steph has been the chief executive of St. Oswald's Hospice since May 2020, is a non-exec director of Newcastle-upon-Tyne NHS Foundation Trust, and is also on the board of of the North East uh, of England Chamber of Commerce and a member of the Race, Equality and Discrimination Commission. Steph is absolutely community focused as has been a girl guiding leader for over 30 years, a school governor and co-chair of the Angelou Centre, a black led women's charity based in Newcastle, which offers training, counselling and refuge support. And Steph, when she hasn't got, you know, enough time or hours in the day, is also a dance teacher. She's passionate about public and patience and a strong advocate advocate for equality, diversity and inclusion and is always out there speaking publicly on leadership, racism and gender discrimination is also a coach and a mentor. And this year, Steph created the Black All Year events and podcast campaign highlighting challenges and issues faced by black people, as well as celebrating their successes and achievements, which we'll speak about shortly. But if I could summarise, I love your Twitter handle, Steph. You are CEO, you're Ned, you're a coach, you're a speaker, you're a mother, you're a guider, you're trusty and a wannabe ballerina, a Shanti Geordie woman. Welcome to the Northern Power Women podcast, Steph. Thank you. And uh, yeah, you were right, actually, when you said I was delighted, I am. I'm absolutely delighted to be um, on the podcast. It's, It's lovely. 
Thank you for asking me. So tell me, I loved meeting yourself and your daughter um, back at the awards in Manchester in March. And I, I love the fact that I think your daughter was a, as a, a last minute plus one for you because of the, the dreaded COVID. And uh, and I think wasn't, weren't, wasn't you, you were dressed by your hospice, weren't you? You were dressed by... We were. So my, my partner was supposed to be coming with me. Um, and actually it wasn't COVID, but he was unwell. It was kind of a, a very much a last minute thing. So we travelled down on the uh, on the day. My daughter went into school for the first couple of lessons. We picked her up. We went d- down to our posh frock shop um, that we have in Whitley Bay, got her an outfit and then jumped in the car and, and came down to Manchester. And I'd picked a dress the week before again from our, our posh frock shop. So it was great. I mean, I think I think our outfits cost about £28 for the two of them, which is always good, always love a bargain. But I do like to showcase the the wonderful clothes that we have um, that we sell at St. Oswald's Hospice Shops. Um, last Christmas, I actually did all of my Christmas outfits. So for every occasion, um, I, I challenged myself to buy them all from our shops. And I think there were eight in total. Um, and I'm planning to do the same again this year, but I need to start shopping earlier. I left it really late and started to panic for a few. What an amazing thing, because that is actually, you know, you're supporting the, the charity uh, that you're leading. But, you know, it, this is all about sustainability and, and, and upcycling. And and I have to say, you looked a million dollars. And I saw I saw you tweeting, actually, um, last week, you were watching the wonderful Sarah Davis, uh, who's another one of our Northern Power Women Outstanding Entrepreneur winners. Um, and she was doing a talk for, uh, I think, the SmartWorks charity and and I think you were talking about the you're talking about the posh rocks there as well. So yes, please get shopping early. If you're over in Whitley Bay, get over and get shopping early because otherwise staff will beat you to it. And, and you know the great thing, it is award season. And if you're local, and I mean lots of lots of charity shops have kind of posh rock sections and things like that. But the best of it is, you buy the dress, you wear it, you take it back. It's cheaper than hiring a dress. And then it means somebody else can wear it next time round. So you and you don't have a whole load of evening dresses that you're never going to wear again hanging in your wardrobe. It's brilliant. Love it. Absolutely. And also you'll never wear the same dress twice as well. So, you know, always be a million dollars. There we go. That should hopefully boost boost some of the proceeds <laughs> for the for the RSV. So so tell me about the impact of winning the award, uh, you know, both personally and professionally and how important it was to have your daughter there too. Yeah. I mean, it, it was lovely. It was lovely to have my daughter with me. Um, she was really nervous and I had to really... So the last time I was up for an award was a few years ago and she came along and I didn't win and she was devastated. I already kind of knew I wasn't going to win. It was uh, the... Uh, I kind of knew I wasn't going to win. But she, I mean, she cried a little heart out, bless her. So I was all the way down. I was saying, look, I don't think I'm going to win. Just, it's lovely to be nominated. It's lovely to get to this stage and don't worry about it. And then we walked in, we were right at the back and I went, well, I'm definitely not going to win. So, but for me, my daughter's just turned 18. So there she was at 17, surrounded by incredible women, hearing fantastic stories, holding her own actually and chatting well with the other women on the table. And I thought this is such an amazing experience for her. And then when I actually won, she was just, I mean, she, she had, it went out to all of her friends straight away. And the congratulations I had from her friendship group was, was amazing. I think it's, it's been a real boost for her to see that you can, you can really achieve things. But for me personally, it's given me a lot of confidence is probably the wrong word. I think it's just that assurance 
over the last few years, I've really worked on my confidence. I used to have terrible imposter syndrome. And I would say I'm now quite a confident person. But this is something that I put in my bank now for when I am thinking, oh, should I really be doing this? Is this the right thing? Or when that imposter syndrome starts to shout up a bit, it's one of those things that I draw on to say, you know what? Yes, yes, you should. And you are right. And you are making a difference. And people have recognised that. And I think it is that recognition. It's it sounds a bit sad, but actually having that external recognition and confirmation makes a huge difference. And and it's not just your friends. <laughs> it's like, you know, your friends tell you you're great all the time, but actually having something like Northern Power Women saying this is great has 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 been um really fabulous. And I did have a friend and colleague say to me, Steph, do you realise you haven't put that award on your bio? Get it on there. And <laughs> so it's on. Um so I am shouting about it. Um so yeah, it's been really, really great from that perspective and it does lend a, a bit of credibility I think when you know when people are talking about me when I'm speaking to have that and it normally is the last line on the bio um to have that where people you can see people go oh all right well maybe I need to listen a little bit harder and and you talk about imposter syndrome it's one of those things that you know is talked about a lot and many people think nobody else has it it's just them how much of a part of your career has this been and you know you've talked about you know putting in the bank when when you have these great things happen is that how you've learned to deal with your imposter syndrome yeah I mean my my imposter syndrome kicked in I think probably about 11 certainly by the time I was 13 it has plagued my entire life. It's affected every part of my life. It's affected personal relationships and professional relationships and career. In my career, I would very much take on too much because I had to keep proving that I was worthy and that I had a right to be there. Even though I didn't think I had a right to be there, I would try to make myself indispensable because I just did a lot of stuff. And I actually made myself quite ill in doing that. And I would never ask for things. So if you needed something, Simone, I would fight your corner to the end and I would get you what you needed. I wouldn't even ask for a wrist rest, you know, that type of thing, because, mm, you know, it's just me and I don't want to ask. I don't want to be an inconvenience. But what it meant was that when I would leave jobs, I would go into a new job. Quite often, the person who came in and replaced me would, within months, they'd split my job into two or three or the worst was actually five. So five people ended up doing my job and most of them got a pay rise because they weren't being paid enough. And yet I just went, well, I'll just keep on because I'm I'm grateful to be here. So it 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 really has, I think it's held me back. I've done really well for myself, but where could I have been had I tackled this earlier? But the way I dealt with it was, I, I went, I'll quickly describe the stages. So the first thing that I did was I had to notice what was going on. So I quite often describe imposter syndrome and that voice as being it's a bit like the radio that plays in the background. So you listen, you know, you, you're working and things and you find yourself singing something and you weren't actually listening to the radio, but it's been playing three times and then you're singing that song because you've been listening to it, but you weren't really hearing it. So it was about me noticing that voice and what it was saying and that there was a voice saying things. And then I had to really confront what it was saying and, and hear what it was saying. And it's horrible. I, I mean, my, my voice was just, I, I would never speak to anybody like that. And yet my voice was speaking to me like that. 
And then what worked for me was to actually separate it from me because if it was me, then it was true. So I created a whole little persona for it. So I call it my creature. It sits behind my right shoulder. It's green. It's spiky. It's quite comical. I've managed to make it into quite a comical creature. It speaks with a like, voice like this. <laughs> and because of that... I can just take the mickey out of it. And I've referred to things like I'll give it a slap, I'll put muzzle on it. I put Now I tend to put it in its box. And sometimes people can actually see me physically doing that. So because I know where it is, I'll be talking and it's it's coming up now because I'm talking about it. It always does that. When I talk about it, it comes up. And I'll just do this little motion with my hand, my right hand, where I kind of close my fingers over my shoulder and that's me putting the muzzle on it. It's like, shut up and go away. And that works. It kind of instantly calms down. I don't feel it on my back and things like that. So I've I've kind of physicalized it. But by doing that, it makes it easier for me to just put it away. And then, like I say, achievements, compliments. I actually used to write them down. So I had a book of things where when I was feeling really nervous or unsure, I would look at them. Now I just have them. I, I, it's it's common practice for me now. And I, I I work on this all the time. I just have these things where if I am feeling a little bit unconfident, I kind of go to, like I say, the award and go, you deserve this. You know, and I love that. I love the, the practical way, the steps that you have taken to overcome that imposter syndrome because like I say it's one of those things that everyone thinks that everyone else has got it and everyone else is nailing it and you know they've got it so I love that and I love what I love is that every conversation that we have and every piece of advice that we have in these podcasts there's I always go away with the learning myself and then we always turn them into what we call like a cheat sheet as well. So people, if they're following up, they can read it and I can see this already. I can see the steps on that. And I, and I, and I love, I, I, I love the idea that you're, you know, that right hand is reaching to just put that muzzle on, calm that, 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 you know, that, that persona down. So I love that. And I, I really appreciate that doing is that I can see now when, you know, you talk about you nearly didn't apply for the role, um, uh, as chief exec of the hospital but you gave yourself a talking to. Did you talk to you or did you talk to your persona? Um, I did actually talk to me because it was you're listening to the voice, you're listening to the creature and look at what you've achieved. And I think for me, the thing when I looked at St. Oswald's role was St. Oswald's Hospice is a, it's a really large organisation, large charity. It's £14 million pounds. Um, and it is, um, you know, we've got 24 shops. We have a thriving eBay business. I've never been a retailer in my life. And we have children's and adults hospice care. And it is so dearly held by the people of, of Tyneside in particular. It, you know, it's so much in our hearts. It's a huge responsibility to, to take that on. And I kind of looked at it and went, oh, that would be fantastic. And then I, kind, I literally kind of shut it down. <laughs> physically shut it down on my screen and went yeah but they wouldn't they wouldn't consider you for that role and the talking to that I ended up giving to myself and I actually did say this in my interview when they did say you know this is a much bigger organization than ones that you've worked in uh, that you've run before and I said yes but I have managed bigger budgets in the NHS I've managed more staff in the NHS and I've potentially dealt with more complex things in the NHS. The only difference was I wasn't chief exec then, but I have been chief exec of a different organisation. So actually, I know I can do this. I know I've got the skills and abilities to do this. And um, and that was 
pretty much the talking to I gave myself. That was exactly what I said to myself. You know, Steph, you've managed billions, not billions, millions of pounds budgets, much, much bigger than this. Um, I My first proper management job, I was managing um, Porter's domestics and catering staff and, and there were close to 400 staff. So yeah, it was it was big and it was a big jump, but it was wasn't without kind of outside of my ability. And and I want to talk about the that visibility as a as a as a black woman in such a high high profile leadership role and especially a much a much adored role as in you know you talked about the hospices being so sort of you know um, loved a, a, across the, across the region is that really important for you and is this is this where Black All Year uh, came from as well which is that the campaign that you launched earlier this year with the podcasts and events yeah so when I started in the role. I got myself a coach. I can highly recommend coaching. It's it's one of the best. I mean, I, I am a coach, but it's one of the best things that I've ever done is getting coaching. And one of my objectives was to look at what being a black woman in that role meant. So that was May 2020 when I started the job, 1st of May. 25th of May 2020, George Floyd was murdered. And any choice I had over whether or not I was going to be very present and visible in my blackness, for want of a better way of putting it, had kind of went out the window. Um, I felt like I didn't have a choice. Um, and that was partly because people were coming to me in that period after that and asking me um, questions, because if you, you know, you recall, there was all of that kind of, actually, this is this was quite new and shocking to a lot of white people that that this type of thing happened and and the emotion and the stories that were coming out after it were, were quite new to a lot of people. But also for me, it was, I am very visible and therefore I've got a real duty to do this. It wasn't, it wasn't for me a choice. It was, I have to do this because if not, I'm not walking the walk. I'm not doing what I say people should do. Yeah, I do feel that kind of duty quite strong sometimes it's a bit of a burden if I'm honest because it's it's hard it's tough it's exhausting at times but it was very much something that I just felt I can't pretend I'm not black I can't pretend I don't have views and even if I wanted to my brain and my fingers won't let me when I'm on things like Twitter and I see something that's just you know it's you know what it's like like, I can't let you get away with that I have to say something um so that's just who I am I have to I have to act And Black All Year really came about because Black History Month, October, normally I'm asked to speak a lot. So seven times in five weeks last year, I did that all free of charge because it's important and and things. And then nobody wanted me to speak about being black or about racism or or being a black leader or anything. They'd ask, ask me to talk about other stuff, but nothing else for the rest of the year. And you do see this explosion in October of stuff about about black and black history and, you know, um, staff canteens do um, Caribbean food and things like that. And it's all kind of like, yay, and then it all disappears and it's put back in the box until next October and they bring it all out again. And for the past three or four years, I've kind of gone, this is wrong. We shouldn't just be having this conversation once a year. And I kept saying that somebody should do something about this and nobody did. So um, taking a leaf out of my mother's book, I did. 
um, and created Black All Year. Um, and as you said in the intro, it really is there to kind of it to help us look at the challenges and the issues that Black people face, but also I hope to celebrate black people and their achievements i've got a great one coming up for international men's day that i'm really excited about as long as i get the editing done in time because it is all me this is one of the things you know i do the everything at the minute um i fund it i do all of the editing i do all of the publicity um i source all the guests um so it's fairly time consuming but it's just something that's really important it is and what um, how can people get involved what do you need you just said you're doing it all yourself so you know what what can people do to help you know maintain this because you know you don't want to burn yourself out uh staff you know what can we do yeah, so I mean, think things like one of the the things would be really useful is if if there's a Zoom expert out there, um, having somebody who can join me and actually do all of the admin stuff in the background because I'm hosting and doing all of that, that'd be great. So things like making sure people are muted and um, all that type of thing. Anybody who knows anything about marketing and would help us with marketing, that'd be great. What would be really, really good is people giving suggestions of topics and guests um, and, and linking me with those individuals. That would be fantastic because, again, most of this is coming from me putting call outs for, oh, I think this would be a really good topic. Do you know anybody who can talk about it or people that I already know? Um, so that would be fantastic as well. But really, um, all offers gratefully received. And we will put a shout out for that as well. And I will personally put that out across the, the communities across the whole of the North that I know that people will want to want to help because there's that whole, I'm always a big fan of, you, you, like you say, you've got so many things going on, but if you give something to a busy woman, then it'll get done. But, you know, if we can get more people involved, we will support 100% want to ha- help, you know, because I think that, you know, we can all go on our own, we can go fast, but together we can go far so Steph I'm so glad we got the opportunity to talk we didn't we couldn't get even through a fraction of the questions that we wanted to ask because but I please do get involved in the black all year campaign it is not just for Christmas month you know it's all year we want to keep the conversation going we want to amplify voices and you know we have we said in in the pre-chat here today is you know for the last uh two and a half years that we've um we want contributors on our podcast 50 percent are from black Asian minorities ethnic communities because we want to make sure that we are representing the amazing north community that we have out there but Steph thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast thank you and thank you again for having me it's been great oh and I can't wait please get onto the eBay shop now we know there's a an eBay shop out there uh, as well first and Oswald's Hospice and please do get involved in Black All Year campaign the events and the podcast and if you've got super skills Steph needs your help as well because imagine what more we could do listen thank you so much everyone for joining us today next Monday I'll be joined by another wonderful role model from the Northern Power Women community stay in touch with everything that's going on on the we are power platform wearepower.net our events our webinars this podcast and all the profiles and individuals that you can see of role models out there are all in one place uh, but join us on socials at north power women on twitter and northern power women on all of the others uh, my name's Simone Roche and you've been listening to the northern power women podcast a what goes on media production oh, yeah.